And now Evie is going to come and read for us from Ephesians chapter 3, which is page 1175 on the pew, in the Pew Bibles. Thank you, Evie. Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of Lord. Thanks be to God. There was a moment as I stood in that pool where I suddenly thought, oh, I knew there was something I'd forgotten. Spare pair of socks. Anywho, I'm going to keep my trousers long and it won't be fine. Um, it's such a privilege to be here today and it's such a privilege to uh, stand with uh, our friends as uh, they declare their faith in Jesus and as we celebrate with them uh, the gift of Jesus for them. But it's a really odd thing to be doing on a Sunday morning, isn't it? I mean, it may not be odd for us, if you're somebody that's been brought up in the Christian church, if you're somebody who's been to church for years and years and years, you might be quite used to baptisms. You might be quite used to people going under the water and making sure their heads are fully under and coming back up and everybody cheering and clapping. But when you think about it, it's quite an odd thing to do. If you're somebody who's at school or college or university, it's not the sort of thing that happens on a Monday morning at lunchtime. If you're working in an office, you don't suddenly find everybody gathering around, you know, a shower somewhere and cheering somebody's just be. I mean, it just doesn't happen in the rest of life. And if you're somebody who's visiting today, you might well be sitting there going, huh? Looks a bit strange. I am uh, I'm looking forward to going to uh, a rugby match with my son in a few weeks' time, partly to celebrate his 18th birthday. Um, and we're, we've, we're lucky enough to have got tickets to go and see England against Japan. Um, over at Twickenham. And um, it's a lot easier for him now than it used to be taking his old dad to rugby. Because go back seven or eight years, I pretty much would spend all of every match going, what just happened? Why have they stopped? Is, is that a penalty? Why is that a penalty? Why is that person still on the ground? Was he not allowed to pick up the ball? It, wasn't that a try? I thought they just scored. I... I must have the most patient son in the world because actually I really hadn't a clue what was going on. And actually when you think about it, most sports, if you don't have any idea of the rules, look strange from the outside. And you're meant to actually ask the question, why? What's happening? What's that for? What does it mean when? Um, I've occasionally caught little clips of um, American football um, on the BBC website. And there seem to be points at which all the referees throw their handkerchiefs on the field. I 
there's, there's things being thrown around, and there, there are points where um, they make strange... I, I haven't worked out why they all wave at the same time and things like that. You, you want to go, well, why? We should be asking the question, why of baptism? Why is it that we have this big vat of water, cold or warm? Why is it that we tip people all the way under? Why do we ask them about their faith? Why do we ask these questions of them? What's it for and what does it mean? Well, one of the reasons that I suggested that we read this passage uh, from Ephesians today is because it helps us give some shape to understanding baptism. It's not that Paul, one of, those, one of the earliest Christian leaders who's writing to some, some Christians who are in Ephesus, it's not that he's writing about baptism, but that he's describing the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that then shows us what baptism is trying to tell us, what it's pointing to, what it signifies, what it symbolizes. But it's also part of our term looking at the gift of prayer. Because in the end, what Paul is doing is he's reporting to us what he prays for his friends, these Christians. So as you listen in, if you're somebody who is here today especially to support Connor, Samuel, Abby, St. Carrie, or you simply know them from the church family here, one of the things to listen out for is, well, how might this help me to pray for them? Not simply pray for them to have a nice life, but how might I pray for their faith? How might I pray with Paul for what God is going to do in them? But I want to suggest three very quick, simple things that as we listen to Paul, as he describes the inside out of the Christian faith, that he helps us to understand what we've just done, what baptism is. And the first is that baptism stands as a sign of belonging simply a sign of belonging. That's why we had godparents and parents up here. Now, these guys were all old enough to speak for themselves, so they didn't need parents and godparents here to speak for them. But equally, baptism is always done with other people. Preferably, it's done with the whole congregation sitting there to cheer them on. It's always done with some godparents and supporters. It reminds us that we belong. We belong to God's big family. Verse 14, right there from the beginning. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Then down in verse 18, that you may have power together with all the saints. That simply means with all of God's family, with all Christians everywhere. And then down in verse 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Following Jesus is not a solo sport. It is not something that we do on our own. We weren't designed to live life like that anyway. We were designed to be relational beings. We need one another. We need people who are going to be alongside us, encouraging us, challenging us, shaping us, teaching us. And that's true of faith too. We need people who, if you like, are ahead of us on the journey, that we can go, I'm really struggling with this. How do I do that? Or, I simply don't understand. Do you? Or, this is a really tough bit of my life. What do I do now? Or, this is fantastic. How do I celebrate? Or, will you teach me to pray? Or, can you help me read my Bible? We need people who are ahead of us on the journey, who've known Jesus for longer than we have, who, if you like, are older in the faith than we are. And that's part of the reason for having godparents and parents, where appropriate, standing up here. Because those are people who are further on the journey than we are. They're going to help us. They're going to encourage us. They're going to pray for us. That's the main thing they've promised today. But they're also going to walk uh, ahead of us to encourage us on. 
But we also need people alongside us. We need people who are sort of doing things at about the same time as we are. And, and we've got to somehow get over the embarrassment factor of talking about faith. A quick checking in. I'm not, this is not a hands-up question. This is a rhetorical question to think for yourselves. I wouldn't put you on the spot. I, went, I wonder when was the last time that you ever talked about your friendship with Jesus with a friend. Now, I don't even mean with somebody who never goes to church and isn't interested, but with another Christian. I wonder when was the last time you talked about praying or about something you'd read in the Bible or dare I even suggest it, a sermon you've heard. I wonder when was the last time you got over that cultural problem we have, and it is a cultural problem, with talking about faith. Actually, when you're talking to a fellow Christian, it should be the most natural thing in the world, both about the difficulties we have, the struggles, the doubts, but also about the encouragements. God's done this for me this week, or I was praying, and, and it just gave me a little nudge on this, or, oh, wow, have you ever read this psalm, or have you ever read the story of David and Goliath, or all these wonderful passages that we heard from the guys there? Just a little challenge or a nudge. We need people alongside us. You could really encourage somebody today by simply talking to them about your faith. You don't have to have a PhD in theology. You simply need to be a follower of Jesus yourself. So we need people ahead of us on the journey. We need people alongside us on the journey. But we also need people, if you like, behind us. People that we can look back to and say, come on, I'm going to help you. I'm going to encourage you. And actually, if you're somebody here today who's been a follower of Jesus for some time, you and we have actually got an extra responsibility. If we're a little bit older in the faith, we should be asking ourselves the question, not simply, who am I talking to, if you like, person to person about faith, but who am I looking to encourage today? Who might I help on their journey of discipleship, their journey of being a friend of Jesus? Again, you don't need a PhD in theology. What you simply need is a little experience of following Jesus and being honest about when it's hard and when it's great, when we have doubts and when we're so sure. Being a follower of Jesus is not a solo sport. It is about this whole family in heaven on an earth that derives its name from our God, our Heavenly Father. And baptism is a sign of belonging to God's big family all around the world. This very day, all around the globe, there will be people getting baptised. Do you realise that? There'll be people speaking all sorts of different languages. There'll be people, there were a few of us talking about this beforehand, there'll be people getting baptised in rivers, there'll be people getting baptised in baths, there'll be people getting baptised with water from a really ornate ancient font. There's people all over the world getting baptised. You belong to a family with them. Secondly, baptism is a symbol of a gift. Now, I don't know whether you've ever been to a, a rewards ceremony. Sometimes if you're at school, especially secondary school, or maybe the end of your primary school career, they have those awards ceremonies when they say, you know, the award for most progress in maths goes to so-and-so, or the, the so-and-so cup for being the nicest all-round person goes to somebody other, and the sports cup goes to this person. Or maybe even in the world of work, when we're adults, we're used to that thing of being rewarded. You do this, you get a pay rise. You do this, you get a better job. You do this, and your boss goes, well done. But the thing about baptism is that it reminds us that the Christian faith is not about getting rewarded for being good. It's about putting out our hands to receive a gift. 
It doesn't matter how many baptisms you ever see in your whole life. You might see thousands in every culture, in every part of the world, every Christian denomination. Here's something I promise you, you will never, ever, ever see. Ever. You will never see anybody in a Christian church baptize themselves. It's an odd thing, isn't it? Each of our four baptizees today could, they're all perfectly capable of it, they're old enough of it, they could have, whoops, they could have stepped up, got in, gone under, come up, we could have clapped them, they could have done it for themselves, couldn't they? What they actually had to do was to put their hands across their chest and be completely helpless as something was given to them. And it it symbolizes that this is a gift. It's not about what you bring to God. It's about what God and Jesus brings to you. It's not about what you've done for him, but about what the God that we know in Jesus has already done for you. It's not about how much you believe. It's actually about God's faithfulness to you. It's about receiving something, not being awarded something. It's about being given something, not earning something. And actually, that's the difference between the Christian faith and any other religion you could ever name. Religion in general says, how can I be good enough or do the right things to be right with God or the gods? The Christian faith says, I know I'm not good enough, but thank you, Jesus, that you still love me. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgive me. Thank you, Jesus, that you give yourself to me. So, as we've baptized our friends here, What we're doing is we're relying on what Paul says in verse 16 is the glorious riches of God. He doesn't need us to give him anything. He wants to give us everything. And so as we baptize them, we're praying, again, verse 16, that they will be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in their inner beings, that God will give them power to live for him, power to be the person that he made them to be. Verse 17, that he will pour himself into them so that Jesus Christ might dwell, might live in their hearts. He gives them the gift of power. He gives them the, power, the gift of his presence with them. Verse 18, the gift of love being rooted and established in love. And verse 19, that you might have the fullness of the measure of God. The heart of the Christian faith is that faith isn't what I do for God. Faith is simply open hands to receive God's gift. Each of our four friends this morning has been given something. And what they've been able to declare with their lips is not, I'm good enough for God, hooray, I've graduated, here's my reward. But God's so good that he's given me everything in Jesus. Here are my hands of faith to receive that gift of love. And if you've never done that for yourself, you're missing out. If you've never simply put out your hands to Jesus and said to him, I'm not good enough for you, I never will be. I I fail even by my own standards. But thank you that you lived for me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you're alive today for me. I want to receive your gift of love and of forgiveness. If you haven't done that, you're missing out. Why not be inspired by these four friends? to choose even today to be that day when you simply say to Jesus, I don't understand everything, I've still got doubts, I've still got questions, but I am willing to put out my hands and receive a gift, the gift of you. So it's a seal of belonging, a symbol of a gift, and finally and most importantly, baptism is a signpost to Jesus. 
If you went back over that baptism service, virtually every line in it, not every, every line, but virtually every line, is a signpost to Jesus. Jesus Christ, the one in whom God has given himself for us. It's there in Paul. Verse 16 and 17 talk about the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Jesus. Verse 18 talks about the love of Jesus. Verse 19 talks about being filled with the presence of Jesus by whom we are filled with the presence of God. Right at the heart of baptism is that you are Jesus' people. If you're ever talking about your faith, talk about Jesus. If you're ever trying to answer a question about your faith, somehow bring it back to Jesus. Because in Jesus, we get to meet the God who made us. In Jesus, we get to hear what the God who made us says about us. In Jesus, we get to see what the God who made us does for us. In Jesus, we see that the God who made us loves us so much that he was willing to give everything on the cross for us. And in rising to give us the gift of new life. Um, I don't know whether you've ever heard the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, interviewed. Uh, But I've heard him say that right at the beginning of his time as Archbishop, he realised sort of with a start that he was pretty much going to spend the rest of his life being interviewed. It wasn't something he enjoys. Uh, In fact, as far as I can tell, he absolutely hates it. But he decided at the outset that he was never going to be interviewed without finding a way of talking about Jesus. And it wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't about being sort of smart or silly or, you know, trying to have one over on people. He simply said, if I'm not talking about Jesus, then it's become just another institution. It's become just another opinion. It's become just another power base. Actually, being a baptized member of the church, being sealed as a member of God's family, being having this symbol of a gift given is to be a person who belongs to Jesus. And that's why before they were baptized, did you notice, I signed them with the sign of The cross, the sign of Jesus. So here's the challenge. Three challenges, actually. If you've seen people up the front here being baptized and you know them at all, here's a nudge to pray for them. To pray that each day they will be reminded they belong to God's family. To pray that each day they will know to put out their hands of faith and receive a little bit more of God's gift for them and to pray for them that they will always be friends of Jesus, that that will be the heart of who they are. But it's also a challenge for any of us who haven't put out our own hands of faith to say, why not today? Why not say yes simply to the gift of God for you today? What have you got to lose? And you've got everything to gain. And finally, to let this shape our prayer lives for everything that we pray for. That if our prayers are not done in the knowledge that I belong to a big family around the world, all praying to Jesus together, that if when we pray we forget that this is in in the end a response to God's gift of love and that when I pray the most important thing I could ever pray for anybody anywhere is that they would know a little bit more of his love, then I'm missing out of what the heart of prayer is all about. We're going to come to worship, uh, continue in our worship in song. Let's bow our heads to pray first. Loving Jesus, thank you that we belong to your family. Thank you that you include us and that as we sit alongside one another, we're alongside brothers and sisters in the faith. 
Thank you that faith is the receiving of a gift. And it's a gift that is simply extraordinary in its richness and power. And we pray, Jesus, that for us, for Samuel, for Abby, for Connor, for St. Carrie, that for each of them and for us, they and we will know a little bit more each day of what it is to be a friend of Jesus and to be signposts to him ourselves. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.